began so long ago with a band of Queen's Park men. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Spiders Talk podcast. It's David Blair, Enzo Tamanini and Callum Stewart back with you for the second last time this season, or so we think. We um we thought we'd been good to ourselves and tried to put off talking about the playoff legs against Partick Thistle that obviously seen our season come to an end 8-3 on aggregate. Um, unfortunately, though, we happened to push push back recording this episode until the day that the world collapsed around Queen's Park for a number of reasons, some utterly ridiculous goings-on, and unfortunately for us, I think this might be one of the, the most popular episodes, because we're, of course, going to have to talk about plenty of news stories, including the really unbelievable bombshell that Owen Coyle has decided to resign from Queen's Park as, as head coach. Um, Calum and Enzo, I usually always start by asking, you know, how are you, how are you doing? Um, I know the answer to that, so do you want to just dive straight in? I mean, I, I was I was doing absolutely fine. Like, I, I got over the, the, the playoff disappointment very quickly because it just felt as though... It felt as though it had been coming, do you know what I mean? It was it was such a disappointing end to the season after what was a, a brilliant sort of August through until about January time. Uh and and, and I was I was settling in, you know, with a couple of drama free days and then all of a sudden, as I'm getting used to to no drama, it all just hits us, you know, the, the news about the B teams and then the news about well initially the rumours about Coyle, which very quickly turned out to, to be true and, and were announced by the club. So yeah, we've got a lot to talk about and, and obviously it's Probably worth sort of caveat, and for anybody that's listening to this, if we sound a little bit all over the place, we had no idea that any of these things were going to be happening. So, so we're maybe not as 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 well prepared and organised as what we we normally are going in to record these things. But I'm sure we'll have uh, plenty to say on on everything. That's uh, that's very complimentary to us, Enzo, pretending that we're well prepared <laughs> and organised. Generally speaking, for these things, that's a wee bit ambitious. But I had a I had a I had a lovely weekend. I'd kind of. Um, made my peace with the the fact that we weren't going to win the playoffs after we, we lost to Dundee. It was half expected. Obviously, the manner of the last game was absolutely grim, but for me, it kind of felt like, you know, you've got a dying pet and you take it to the vets and you kind of know what the outcome's going to be. One of them scenarios. Um, and then Queen's just canny gaze a week off. Um, our, our, our intentions, I think, in terms of planning for, for this episode was to have a nice wee brief chat about the game and, and kind of put it aside for a few weeks before doing a, a full and proper full and proper season review. But uh, yes, drastic times call for hastily unprepared podcasts. <laughs> yeah, they certainly do. Um, let's let's get the, the small bit and use the easy bit out of the way. Let's look back at the the playoff ties against Partick Thistle. Obviously, last Tuesday, it was back to Fur Hill. Um we do normally run through the games, run through the teams and everything like that, but we really we want to get to the to the stuff that's going to affect us going forward and for next season because it's not just obviously off the park, but there's big news and a big injury on the park as well. Um, so, yeah, back to Furhill last Tuesday, 4-3 on the night. Uh, Queen's Park started the game really well and you could you could make that classic argument, oh, we could have been 2-0 up before this, blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is, we were two 0 down after I think it was about twenty five minutes or so, wasn't it? It was a couple of just again. I mean, it's it's been the common theme, hasn't it, for the last two and a bit months, nearly three months or so, where the defending's just been all over the shop, and which is not doing ourselves any favors at all. 
Dom Thomas did score a really good goal to make it 2-1 just before half-time, picking the ball up inside her own half and running the whole way. Um, Grant Savory was wide open on the left-hand side, screaming for the ball the whole way. Thankfully for Dom Thomas, he twist and turned three Partick Thistle defenders before um, burying it past the keeper. That was a really good goal there. Um, into the second half, though, well, I've just mentioned his name, name there. Talk about Grant Savory, bring that up just now. Uh, early on in the second half, he goes with a, a wee sort of a wee fifty fifty with was it Tiff, Scott Tiffany I think it was. Um, there wasn't too much in it, but the referee was looking to give a foul. He delayed blowing the whistle, and then Grant Savory went to go and get the ball again. And I think there was another Partick Thistle player came in, if I'm right in thinking, and it didn't look like there was any contact there. But Grant Savory went down quite awkwardly and like straight away was like looking and, and holding his knee. A non-contact injury. Didn't look like there was anything in it at all. It looked incredibly innocuous. We found out over the weekend that he's done his ACL, which, I mean, I'm no doctor, but for those that maybe aren't aware, is that really important muscle um, at the in and around your knee, at the back of your knee, I believe it is, isn't it? And that is the the injury that Simon Murray had done when he joined Queen's Park back in 2000, 2020. Why did I struggle to say that? That's, that's the kind of day it's been. That's the injury that he had back then. He was obviously out of the game for, I think it was about nine months. Unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have the same kind of injury and the same kind of layoff for Grant Savory, who is unbelievably unfortunate. Not just the circumstances that it came about in the game, but obviously for him personally. He has been a cracking player all season. Certainly like the rest of the squad, he may have had his ups and downs, but he's been one of the most important players going forward, one of the most influential in the team. And we're potentially going to be without him for the rest of this calendar year. Um, going into next season, that's that's a real killer blow already, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's brutal. I, I genuinely just feel terribly, terribly sorry for him. I think it wouldn't have been a surprise to anyone if Savory had earned himself a move away from Queen, sort of onwards and upwards, and I don't think many people would have begrudged him it. A very, very talented player who's um, made the step up with absolute ease this season, and that injury is just... I mean, that's the one that you only seem to hear associated with footballers, and you, you know it's bad news. So, yeah, it's not good for him. It's not good for the club. Um, it's not good for... Our lineup next season as well. Uh, all all round terrible situation, and uh, oh, it's just such a shame, isn't it? Like second last game of the season as well, and that's that's when he goes and does it. So, I I feel sorry for him. Wish him a speedy recovery as as humanly possible. I'm sure the club will support him through it as as uh, with whatever he needs. Um, and yeah, all, all the best to him. Yeah, I totally echo everything you're saying there, Callum. Obviously, he, he'll be incredibly disappointed because he's just come off a fantastic season at a level of football that he hadn't played at before and he would have been raring to go next year, whether it was with us in the Championship again or whether he potentially did move on to, to, to an even higher level again. So I, I'm, I'm sure he'll be gutted and, and I think everybody feels the same way for him because he's such a, he's an exciting player. Um with a fantastic future, and and he still has that fantastic future. Obviously, it's just it's a shame that he's he's now had this setback, uh, and and hopefully he'll be able to to recover as, as as quickly as somebody can from from an injury like this. Like you said, David, it can it can be a real bad one, and the recovery time can be can be significant. In fact, it, it generally always is quite significant. So 
yeah, let's just let's just hope it, it can um, it, it can get going as, as soon as possible. Yeah, definitely. As I say, I did mention Simon Murray. Obviously, went through the same injury, and we've certainly seen him come back and and put a, you know played some of his best football in a number of years for for Queens Park before he moved on this season as well. So. Again, can only echo what you guys have just said. I'm sure everybody listening to this as well sends Grant Savory nothing but the, is their absolute very best. He makes that recovery as quickly and it goes as smoothly as possible and, and we certainly see him back next season. Um, but moving on to the rest of the game because, of course, there's there's still more disappointment to come. Going. <laughs> there's still plenty of disappointment to go. Um, obviously, uh, and then shortly after uh, Grant Savory went off injured, it was in 3-1. Partick Thistle, um, just again thanks to to poor defending, um, a, a poor back pass from Tommy Robson being an easily intercepted and cut back. But we did make a go of it, and we scored two goals to bring it back to 3-0. Uh, you had Mal Boateng, where Mar- Marseille locally won the ball off, I think it was Kyle Turner, wasn't it? And there was probably an argument that it could have been a fill um, for Oakley's tackle, however, the ref never gave it. Malboateng took a shot from the edge of the box. It did take a pretty big deflection off a, a party Thistle defender's head, but it ended up in the back of the net. That's all that mattered. And then Dom Thomas, like he did in the first half, in the second half, about 85 minutes gone, picked the ball up, ran into the middle of the park, ran into the edge of the, the box. A really good shot was bending away from the goalkeeper as well and it bounced right in front of him. Clearly managed to confuse the keeper. He probably should have done better, but again, all that matters is it went into the back of the net. And we thought we'd we'd come back and we thought, okay, take a draw in the first leg. You know, that, that keeps the second leg alive. <sighs> 97 minutes. And it has to be said as well, Owen Coyle was complaining a couple of times about the added time, you know, that Kevin Clancy played. There was nothing wrong with it. We had two head knocks after the 90th minute. There was supposed to only be three minutes added on. But Louis Longridge had his head burst open from a head knock. He had to get... Um, I think they were putting Vaseline on his head to try and stem the wound. And Jack Thompson also went down briefly with a, a week coming together with a Partick Thistle player as well. So, listen, there's absolutely no complaints about the added time, but there's plenty of complaints, once again, about the defending. Brian Graham um, played onside and uh, a really good finish past Callum Ferry, unfortunately. I mean, that first leg, 4-3, which, you know, you... You wanted at least a draw, of course. You obviously want the win, but you think, a draw in the first leg, we go back to Ockleview. For the most part, our record at Ockleview this season had been pretty good. You went in quietly confident after Tuesday. Um, what, what did you guys make of that game overall, briefly? I, honestly, I, I, I thought we were pretty rubbish. and Dom Thomas did well. I thought that was his best game in quite a while, to be honest. He's been a wee bit absent in, in some of our more recent performances. And when you needed one of your bigger players to step up, he clearly done that in that game and dragged us back into it a couple of times. But the 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 standard of the defending, man, honestly, it is mind-bogglingly bad. I, I just can't comprehend how we have sustained that level of terrible defending every single game. And if anything throw, showed the mental fragility of this team, it was that last goal from, from Graham. I totally agree with what you said, David. The, the injury time, the amount of injury time is irrelevant. We weren't winning that game it wasn't like we were holding on at that point we were drawing we could easily went up the pitch and scored in the 97th minute if we had that attacking impetus as well but we didn't um and i do think we were fortunate with the the malboa tango um that i looked like a foul every day of the week to me but i certainly celebrated it um as as much as as much as i could uh yeah what else is there to say it's became 
so endemic over the the last third of this season that when Thistle scored it, I just wasn't even surprised. And I did some some sums on the uh, the goals that we've scored and conceded in the last ten minutes of games. And if you take into account the uh, the league games prior to this one, I think it was something like ten goals that we've conceded in the last ten minutes of games across the the league games this season versus us scoring one or two in the same time period. So, yeah. There's clearly been a lot of problems in that front, um, but similar to yourselves, I definitely thought with a one-goal deficit that we we stood a chance. And I've been kind of repeating hearing Enzo in my head because every single week when we're going to the games and we're talking about what what might be happening, you're always saying we can't just keep losing every game this season. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 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 did, I did think that eventually we might win one, but. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll come on to that next. I it turned out we, we could just keep losing every we did. game. Aye. Very competently. <laughs> but, but you know what? The thing is, right, obviously, as as you both mentioned there, the defence has been rubbish since pretty much March or something like that. And there's 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 just no point in dwelling on it because we're never going to see this defence play again as a unit. Maybe one or two of them again next season, just depending on how recruitment goes and and, and contract situations and, and, and whatever else. But we're, we're never going to see them again. So, and, and everybody listening to this knows how rubbish they've been. So there's just no point in focusing too much on that. I, I agree with you, by the way. I thought with a goal in it, we probably could still get a result at, at Oakville on Friday night. I thought, right, that'll, that, that'll give the guys a wee bit of a boost, at least because it, gives, it could have been so much worse than that. But I think I think that, that last-minute sucker punch in the 97th minute probably knocked the wind out of them a wee bit. Do you know that? If that had finished three each... It'd have been a totally different story, or even if it had finished three-two with us kind of having got the last goal and, and started to show a little bit of you know started to build a little bit of momentum going into the second leg, but it wasn't to be, and, and it's fine. The season's over. I, I I don't really want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, we'll grant you your wish there, Enzo, because of course we then went on to Friday back at Oakle View um, for the second leg. That one goal deficit, as you see, um. I know that there's um there was a few Partick Thistle fans in our, in our mentions on Friday night about oh you know when's the next episode coming out. Obviously looking forward to hearing about this. Uh, I know I've got a few good friends that actually listen in quite a lot. So um, a shout out to Scotty in particular. I know he loves the he loves the show. Um, but we're not going to talk about the game at View for a number of reasons. <laughs> number one, it being utter shit for Queens Park, and number two, much bigger news has came out today as we're saying. So Queens Park were. Trounced 4 0 at Ogleview. There's no two ways about it. It was probably the worst performance of the season. For a, try to think of a, maybe a top three or so, it's certainly going to be up there. It's potentially the worst of the season. Um, it's really hard to take anything at all from that game. Um, really, the only good thing or the point of note for Queen's Park was Calm Ferry had that, that excellent double save that had all of us um, on our feet again, even when we were, you know, 3-0 down or so at that point, I think, was, and that was just before the fourth, I'm sure. 3-0 down at that point, a cracking double save, and even for the fourth goal, it took a big deflection, even still managed to get a touch on it, but unfortunately couldn't keep it out. Um, yeah, Dom Thomas was our man of the match for the Fur Hill game. Callum Ferry's our man of the match for the last game. That ends the season. Um, you guys get anything else you want to add to that right now? Nah, that was crap. <laughs> Aye, it's fine. Like, there's, there, 
there's a lot to talk about, obviously, when you're summing up the season, but we'll do that next time. Yeah. Because we'll, there's a lot of good things to talk about as well, but obviously, you know, our recent run, which I think we worked out as something like five wins in 20 games or something like that, has yeah. been a bit of a... It's, it's, it's been hard to watch at times, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it has. We, and we, we do plan on doing, say, a few weeks' time, we will do a big end of season review and it will be a lot more positive but unfortunately today is going to have to be a little bit more negative so there we go that as I say end of the season um, I, I honestly don't even know how to wrap that up let's just move right on and go into our news we've obviously already mentioned um, Grant Savory's injury obviously that was confirmed by the club over the weekend just once again the best wishes to him and his recovery you then had Monday morning, and the first bit of news came out from the club, or not even necessarily from the club, but about the club, and it was obviously about this new conference league that the SFA or the SPFL are trying to put in. So the conference league is now going to, or if it comes in, it's going to sit below League Two. So it's actually going to sit as the going to come as a brand new league in the fifth tier, or as the fifth tier of Scottish football. The plan is to have. Coat teams or, or B teams from any club that wants to take part in that in that league, as well as a select few Highland League and Lowland League. I'm not I'm not 100 sure how they're selecting that. I don't know if either you have perhaps read that um, elsewhere or if it's literally just they they just choose who they who they want. What that of course means is bringing in a new league into the fifth tier or as a fifth tier of Scottish football is going to shift everybody else down a level, and it's going to you know it basically relegates. Who knows how many clubs? Hundreds of clubs. Yeah, hundreds hundreds of clubs, isn't it? I don't know, another five or six tiers there. And that itself is certainly a a big issue and something that doesn't sit right with me personally. I know it doesn't sit right with Ensworth Callum, as we'll come on and talk about as well. But it continues the the B-team clamour, which the SFA, and and of course it's been led by two clubs in particular, in Scottish football, they want to have B teams coming in, and it seems like every single time that the the arguments they've made for B teams, despite the fact they continue to be debunked, and despite the fact that the vast majority of Scottish football doesn't want B teams in the pyramid, the Lowland League obviously voted to allow them in, and the clubs that are there, you know, Rangers and Celtic, are paying them to be in that league. The Conference League comes in. These clubs are again going to be paying for the privilege of putting in teams ahead of hundreds of clubs that have been playing for years and are working their way up the pyramid and are trying to get as high as they possibly can. These clubs are now going to pay just to drop themselves right in and shift everybody else down a level. Well, apparently that includes Queen's Park. Apparently we are showing an interest in taking a space that we believe was reserved for Aberdeen, where Aberdeen came out today and said, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to develop our players the, the way that we always have done and then send players out on loan. Queen's Park apparently want to come in now. I think it's quite easy to assume that this is probably going to be influenced by Marijn Bucher and obviously his experience in the Netherlands where B teams are quite prevalent in the, the second tier of, of Dutch football. But it's not something that really a number of, in fact, I think it's a vast majority of Scottish football fans, not just Queen's Park fans, Scottish football fans all over, don't want. Um, Enzo, would you like to start us off here? I mean, I've never been a fan of these B-team proposals. I, I just don't like, for me, to be honest with you, and it's not even about the influence that these B-teams have or necessarily 
the, the the possibility of developing talent through that route. For me, I've always just felt that you look at, obviously that there's been talk of this even eventually potentially being extended to give these teams the opportunity of, of playing in the SPFL. And for me, you know, we've spent the vast majority of our lives watching Queens at the kind of lower ends of, of the, 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 the senior divisions. And I've always just felt that and it's the same when we play in like the in the Challenge Cup against these teams. It just it just feels as though it sort of devalues the whole thing because it's like you know your club and your club's traditions and your support and 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 everything that you're hoping to achieve is just a kind of a training ground for our young players. And and I don't like that. I've I've always absolutely hated that concept. Um, and for me, that that doesn't change now that now that we are potentially looking at getting involved in it. And, and the, thing, the thing is actually, see in a weird way, right, I actually think it would maybe even benefit us more than it would Celtic or Rangers. And the reason for that is we're playing at a lower level than them. So the guys would possibly be slightly more suited to actually immediately coming into the, the first team had they been playing around about the, the you know, League Two-ish, Lowland League, I don't know, where on the scale it would come in, in terms of actual standard and, and quality. So I think from that point of view, it actually probably would benefit us more than it'll ever benefit Celtic and Rangers because the chances are these clubs aren't really going to develop guys that are going to have much of an impact on their first team or guys that are going to go on and become Scotland internationals or whatever from playing in the Lowland League. That's just I just don't think that is realistic at all. Um, but still, I, I, I can't ever be in favour of it. I just I, I think that the possibility of relegating potentially two, three hundred clubs who, who have their own goals and ambitions and stuff, it it would it, it would never sit right with me. And to be honest with you, I don't I don't even understand these proposals. I don't like objectively speaking, even if you are in favour of B teams, these specific proposals seem really kinda it just feels as though they've tried to shoehorn something in for the sake of it, and, and I don't see how it works. So I'm very much in the camp that hopefully ho hopefully the rumours aren't actually true. I mean, it, it seems kind of convenient to me, by the way, that on the day that Aberdeen decide that they are not interested, all of a sudden there's a story going about that, that we are. I mean, it could just be kind of lazy journalism. They, they knew that that would get a bit of clicks and attention, given all this talk about us in our youth development going forward, and then that being a, a major focus of the club. So I'm kind of sceptical, by the way, as to whether there's any truth in this. Obviously, if there's no truth in it and somebody has made it up for a few clicks, fair play to them, it's worked because there's a lot of outrage about it on Twitter and Pine Borville and elsewhere. Um, but if, if the club are genuinely interested, I'm hoping they'll see the reaction from, from us as fans. Um, I understand the Queen's Park Supporters Association have also emailed the club about it uh, and uh, and changed their minds. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a very good summary and... You're totally right in basically everything that you said there. That the, the argument for the bringing in the the B teams into the Lowland League starts and ends with sporting integrity for me. This is not a developmental league. Do you know what I mean? The the, the point of this league, there's so many teams that have existed for decades, hundreds of years that have played their football in the lower leagues of Scotland, working their way up the pyramid system, and for it to be devalued by a reserve league is just bonkers and I guess it's, it's, it's worth as caveat and as you mentioned Enzo that we don't know if any of this is true in terms of Queen's Park's involvement um, in, in these proposals so far so I guess uh, we, we won't pin any blame on the club until we know what the what the outcome is um, but it's so so clear that the vast majority of fans have absolutely no interest in our participation in this 
And if there is any interest from the club to actually go into this proposal, then please do some sort of consultation with the fans, a formal consultation, and you will see the response is pretty visceral um, if you if you have not already. And it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of sad to me that we would want to consider something like that because granted, right, we're in a uncharted territory for ourselves. We're sitting in the championship. We're above the leagues that would be affected by this. But that is where we have spent the vast majority of our footballing existence in the lower leagues of Scotland. And frankly, if I was to put myself back in that position of us sitting in the sort of lower ends of, of League Two and you start to see B teams floating about, potentially eventually getting into the same league as you, could I see myself turning up to those games and truly enjoying them or even enjoying that season? No. No, it's going to be massively reduced. Part of the fun and the enjoyment of going to Queen's games and winning is against other teams and other fan bases. And you're exactly right in what you're saying, Enzo. The fact that those players know that they're just part of a B team, a reserve side, just devalues the whole thing. Um, and I can't, I can't get past that. And it's a total, total fallacy. And anyone that buys into the fact that these proposals are claiming to develop Scottish football players are is just absolutely wild. I mean, if you go straight to the top of the tree and you pretend that Celtic and Rangers shoveling their players into the B League to play against Lowland League sides and other B teams is going to do anything for the Scottish national team, the Scottish game, then you're just having a joke. Find me how many of these players will actually get through to the the Celtic first team because they won't because they will or Celtic or Rangers first team because they won't they will continue to buy and sell players as and when they need them with pretty much disregard to their B teams which have a have a maybe I don't know a one in fifty chance of getting anywhere near it. We might be on a different path with that. I don't know. As you mentioned, we've got more opportunity to get into a first team here if you're a young player than you would in other teams. But is that not the point of us signing up to this whole elite academy status where you play all the other elite youth teams in the league and then you start to integrate the players into your your first team? We're seeing guys like Bannon and stuff like that kicking about the first team. Should that not be the way that you do it? Um, yeah, the proposals the proposals are terrible. I genuinely, genuinely hope that we have no interest in going near this at all because it would be such a slap in the face for a small club that has been in the lower leagues of Scotland forever um, and for all the other clubs that have been kicking about as well. It's just, uh, aye, brutal. Another, yeah. uh, another aspect of it, actually, which I think is, is quite funny when you think about it, is that and I don't mean to. This is obviously come, going to come across as quite sort of self-deprecating, but one of the one of the major um, pluses that they've always tried to tout when talking about B teams in the lower leagues is that oh, you know, um, these B teams will, will attract crowds because you know Celtic Rangers. They, these are clubs that have big fan bases. If you're shoehorning us into that, then that clearly doesn't matter to you because and <laughs> and obviously as much as I love this club, we are not going to attract big crowds to, to, to watch our B team play. So that is clearly just that, that that's clearly nonsense as well. And they're, they're just looking for for excuses to, to, to try and, you know, try and justify it. Yeah, that's been one of the excuses that's always annoyed me. See when it comes to the conversation around B teams, that's something that you tend to find Rangers and Celtic fans who don't go to the first team games, let alone B team games, saying, Oh yeah, but these these 
wee clubs will have loads of Rangers and Celtic fans there. No, I think, um, I don't recall where I've seen it, but I'm fairly certain that the Colt teams in the, the Lowland League now have, I think there's only been one game of either of them. I don't know what the uh, attendances are like when they play each other, but when it's just one of them involved going and playing, I don't know, Spartans or East Cobride or whoever they're going and playing, I think there's only been one occasion where the attendance was over 500. That's not, you know, therefore it's not going to make any difference at all. It's probably standard lower league, uh, lowland league um, attendances there. You, you both made a couple of good points in it, and the one especially is, I think you mentioned it, Callum, where it's like now that we are, now that we are up, and we're you know we're in the championship with the second tier. We you know we're 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 looking upwards perhaps more than more than looking down. We've been in League Two and in League One obviously for, for for our entire time supporting the club. A lot of time in League Two, especially when the first conversations came out about these B teams, and it was always that it was always the well, hang on, what happens if they get in? Not only would they be getting into the league and and jumping ahead of everybody else, but they're then actually going to be in the pyramid system, stealing a place off a team that deserves to be there. It's never mind the fact that they're paying to come in and skip the queue, but it's it is also the fact that, as I say, there's, there's teams that want to be in the league and are just basically being told, "No, you're 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 not allowed," because these guys are these guys have more money, and that, that shouldn't be everything. If if the if the B teams want to be in, start at the bottom, and they're all the way at the very bottom, and work your way up if that's what you really want to do. That's been one thing that I've always hated, but it's also the look, isn't it? Just in general for Queens Park, that now that we are higher up. Certainly when we were lower, I'm sure there will have been some some backlash from the club. I mean, I'm almost certain there would have been votes back, you know, over the last five, ten years or so when it comes to the B team inclusion and perhaps need to look back and see if we can find how the club voted for those. But it would be really it's yeah, another bad look. Not that Queen's Park seems to really care about those these days, but it would be another bad look if we're up here now and then we go, Oh well yeah, actually see now that we don't have to worry about the B teams anymore, like competing with us and, and taking our place. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, we'll just have one as well and we'll take somebody else's place. It's just so many different ways and it's just so bad for Scottish football in general, isn't it? And there's, there's got to be a, a, a better way of doing this. There's got to be... I know that obviously they revived the um, the the reserve league and, and cup and stuff this season and that's that to me was a really positive step in the right direction. This, this is it's like, you know... One step forward and two steps back. It's just uh, there's there's got to be a better system, a, a better way that that this can be implemented across the whole of Scottish football. And listen, I I truly believe, by the way, that if the club, if and again that is still a, it's still a big if, by the way, if the club truly has expressed an interest in in joining this new league, they're realising now that uh, it's it, it's not a good look for the club, and it's probably overall a pretty awful idea. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the it's the lack of ambition for alternatives from the the leagues, which I just I don't quite understand, and I, I don't I don't really I don't really fully comprehend how a fully functioning reserve league doesn't sort of satisfy this need. Um, I'm going to assume that not enough teams would want to participate, which is why firing. A selection of teams that are willing to jump in alongside Lowland League ones makes it a wee bit more of an attractive prospect for them. But uh, it just it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, see for any player that is genuinely going to be competing at the top end of the championship or, or even in the SPL or a player who's close to that level, sorry, they, they're not 
they're not going to want them playing against lowland league sides. Like, it just, it just yeah. fundamentally doesn't make sense to me. It's something as well that I'm sure, obviously, when we've gone throughout this season and we've looked at players that haven't been in amongst the first team and you would always traditionally think, oh, get those players out on loan, go and get them playing minutes, you know, obviously with us in the Championship, go and get them out in League 1 and League 2 or whatever. And certainly a couple of players did go out. But we, we did keep hearing quite a lot that the way that obviously... Obviously, the changes that Queen's Park have gone through and how many coaches and obviously the upgrades and, you know, not just the actual purchase of the facilities up at Lock Inch, you know, the the much better facilities we now have, the, the increase in staff and obviously the outcome with obviously all the other investment, <laughs> sports scientists, the lot. Part of the sort of philosophy of how Queen's Park want to be is, and, and I believe part of Marian Bucher's philosophy is, you're better off with these guys at the club working with the club out the way that we want to work and the way we want to train and the way we want to have these guys going about their lives rather than send them down a couple of tiers. So now certainly some players did still go out for the experience, but we did hear those stories for a couple of times when there was a couple of rumours of, of loanies going out. Why are we now all of a sudden happy to go and send people down to play against, yeah, Lowland and Highland League teams? Yeah, well, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. And that's why I'm hoping that this is a terrible easy clickbait article that uh bears no truth um or if it does hopefully they've seen the reaction today from everybody i think we did a, a wee poll on twitter as well and the results of that were fairly unanimous i can only assume if you're listening if you're one of the 22 percent that uh suggested they were in favor of this that you pressed the wrong button or you are a dundee fan or something along those lines um <laughs> Because uh, I refuse to believe that any any actual <laughs> Queen's Park fan would be in favour of those proposals. I think as well, though, if if it is true that that maybe it is just bad journalism or, or a kind of made up story for a, a few clicks, it would be good if the club were to come out and say, "Listen, that that's that's not something we're interested in." Because the the, the there's been some really really negative press and some really really nasty comments about the club online because of this. I mean, I know people love to hate us right now, anyway. Um, but that was, you know, some of the stuff that I've seen related to to this potential development on on Twitter and 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 such has been really, really scathing. And, and I can understand why other fans see it that way. Yeah, and I just have yeah. a fundamental dislike for a proposal which is literally to benefit the club with the most money in Scottish football and no one else. Do you know what I mean? It, it's just so so backwards thinking and even if it does have a material benefit the material benefit is to those clubs to widen the gap between them and the rest of the league so yeah very very poor we'll see yeah yeah right we could have just spoke for 15 minutes here about something that is just clickbait um we hope that is the case unfortunately though our next topic of conversation is not clickbait it has been confirmed by the club today, um, after the rumours started circling around, oh, I don't know when it was, I think it was around about three o'clock or so this afternoon, wasn't it? The club did come out and confirm that Owen Coyle has announced that he's decided to step down as head coach of Queen's Park. Um, his statement, just very briefly, just reads, with a heavy heart, I inform everyone I'll be leaving Queen's Park. Uh, he just wants to thank everybody, obviously, for an enjoyable year. Um, I, I found Leanne Dempster's comments a bit interesting as well combined with Owen Coyle so obviously although disappointing we respect his decision and wish him well 
we now begin the task of finding a new coach to help us and our aims of being the best club to develop talented young players and achieving success on the pitch. There's a lot to break down here, I think. Um, first things first, uh, you know, <laughs> apart from being absolutely scurred by this news, uh, uh, we can only, again, like we did with Grant Savory, um, thank Owen Coyle for, for what he did with, with his 12 months at Queen's Park. 12 months to the day, by the way, happy one-year anniversary of the Airdrie playoff victory. Um, what what a day this is turning out to be in Queen's Park's history. <laughs> um, you know, a, a year to the day from his best result, his best game, the, the, the best moment of our life supporting Queen's Park, almost certainly. He then he, he announces his resignation. Now, we can obviously speculate about the reasons why. I'm wondering if... Obviously, because you look at his comments as well from that, like the last game against Partick Thistle on the Friday night, and he talked about be coming back next year bigger and better, you know, bringing in new players and and getting back on our feet or back on his feet as well. And a few days later, he's he's wishing to leave Queens Park. Um, I, I I just don't know this this news really. This this was up there with you know Simon Murray leaving on deadline day. This was. This was a hard one to take. Aye, and so that's that's the thing. So obviously he, he mentioned after the, the game on Friday night that we'd be back better than better than ever next season. And something has clearly changed between now and then for him to decide that he, he can't be part of the club anymore or that it's not the right thing for him to be part of the club anymore. And there are quite... I mean, there's, you could speculate all day about this. There are so many possibilities. Um... And I, I I don't really know where to start. I'm 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 disappointed. Owen left. I mean, let's let's be honest. There's no point in there's no point in romanticising it at all. You know, the past few months have been difficult. The record has been poor. But if you go back, had Coyle not stepped in, and and I know that he officially wasn't manager of the team yet, but had he not started to get involved when he did, we wouldn't have been in the championship this season, and we owe him a lot of gratitude for that because he you saw that he came in towards the tail end of the last season and the, the motivation and the effort and just the overall energy and feeling about that squad was totally different in those playoffs when he was able to to get them up for it than than what it had been all season, which was it was a very flat season, I think it's fair to say. Um and the the start to this year was fantastic as well. We played some amazing football, some some Brilliant, brilliant memories, and and that's something I'm sure we'll talk about in our next episode as well, where we kind of review the, the the season as a whole. Um, but something something's clearly happened in the past couple of days where the you know Owen's decided that it's it's not the right time for him to to carry on in his role at the club, and and I wish him I wish him all the best, whatever he's going on to work next. Yeah, it's a total it is a total shock. I mean. There's so many ways that you could try and pull this apart and speculate, and I might rhyme some of the some of the speculations off, right? And you can give me some uh, some thoughts on whether you think they're likely or not. Um, but it's definitely, definitely the correct thing to do is is start by saying thanks, I guess, because last season, tail end of last season, came down, transformed, transformed the team, got us promoted, as you correctly said, David. One of the best days, if not the best day, that we've experienced supporting. Queen's Park and this season I think wildly beat all of our expectations despite it uh, ending on a on a relatively sour note and yeah you just you just got to jump to to why 
because he came back, obviously, from India to join us. There was a big spiel about him being back at his sort of home location. He obviously has Uncoil Jr., who started at the club in a sort of relatively junior role and then became assistant coach at some point. Um, and that must have been a sort of unique and I can only assume a good a good experience for, for Uncoil himself, having his son working with him. So it does seem an odd decision so quickly afterwards to to say that you're leaving. So yeah, I guess we get to speculation bingo at this point. Um, so the first one uh, is, I guess, the most obvious one. Own Coyle going to another club? If so, who? It's a possibility, oh, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure he, he has said himself that he's, he's had other offers during his yeah, time at the club. Something which, I'll be honest with you, I never particularly liked hearing him say. Um, it, it was a really strange thing to bring up in interviews and stuff like that. But anyway, that's I, I'm kind of digressing a little bit here. I think it's a possibility. I mean, the only thing is, I don't think it would be very far because he, he made it clear that part of his motivation for coming back here was that his, his, his family's here in, in India and some of the other places where he's worked recently are... are quite distant and, and he's not getting the chances he I think his, his grandkids grow up and stuff like that and that's a, a totally reasonable um, factor in deciding where you want to work as a manager because you, you forget that players move about and managers move about all the time and they, and they probably do miss a lot of these things so that that's fair enough in that case where is he going somewhere in Scotland somewhere Dundee would be a laugh centered. Dundee would be funny given how much he wound up their supporters St Johnston they're looking for a manager as well aren't they um, Johnson obviously seems to be a, the most obvious one to me but the, the trouble is and, and see if I were a St Johnston fan or even if I were Coyle himself I don't think I would want that just because he did so well with them first, the first time that there's always a possibility that as a, as a wee bit of a kind of club legend you'd go back and sour that that kind of reputation that you have I don't know. Um, who else is looking for a manager? Hart, do Hearts have a manager? Yeah, he's not. He's not going to Hearts, surely. That's. Nah. I think uh, that's their. Their fans are far too demanding, and and I don't think they would accept somebody like Coyle. To be completely honest with you, so I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I. I don't think that's the reason. If I'm being completely honest with you. Okay, so we're on to uh, why is Coyle left bingo option number two. Um, so this one is one that I've seen a couple of people say online that this is actually a wee, a wee bit of a smokescreen and a PR exercise and that Coyle has actually been let go by the club and this is a nice way to let him leave on his own terms. Thoughts? Not it, impossible. It's, yeah, it's the the way that the last, you know, the last two months of the season went, you know, it's four points in the last 21 in the league, and then two defeats in the playoffs. One very comprehensive defeat in the playoffs as well. Um, yeah, it would. That's like a, a modern football kind of thing, isn't it? Where the manager, you know, that's that's not really something that you always expect at Queens Park. But then again, obviously, this isn't the Queens Park that we maybe grew up supporting. Modern football, if managers don't, if managers get into a rut, don't turn things around quickly, they can find themselves on a, a sugarly peg at the drop of a hat and. He certainly had enough time to make, you know, to get a chance to make it right and just, yeah, really struggled at the end of the season. It's very possible that's the case. Uh, yeah, I think I think it is a possibility just that the club have kind of had a word with them and said, listen, you know, your stock's quite high right now. Um, you've, you've done well with us. 
um, we, we decide we've decided that we want to go in a different direction here. This is this is your opportunity to to go out there and 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 you know it, it looks better if we do it this way with you coming out and saying that you know you're you're moving on. So yeah, I I I do think that that's a possibility. I'm not sure if it's the most likely option, but it, it's certainly it, it's not out with the realms of of possibility. Yeah, for me on that one, I think that becomes a more a more realistic suggestion if we have a pretty decent looking managerial signing announced in the next few days. Then and you can maybe say they had someone available that was ready to jump in that better fitted their plans. Because you're right, right? The, the the tail end to the last season was was awful in terms of the, the run that we went on. But it would, to say that the tail end was awful and then completely dismiss the rest of the season would be a wee bit strange considering where we've came from. Um, and it doesn't kind of feel right, but I um I don't know. It'd be it'd be very brash to word the uh word the announcement the way that they have if that is what they've done. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I mean, I think if if that is the case, I would be a little bit disappointed to be honest with you because I I do think that for me anyway, I would have given Owen a bit more time. But again, there's there's. I suppose that the concerns could potentially be that this late season or I suppose the final third of the season form, if that carries on in early next year, then then you're potentially out of any sort of hunt for anything pretty quickly. And then you're you're scrambling about to make changes and bringing in a manager that didn't necessarily want the players that you've that you've then got. And if if the decision is that the club wanted to go in a, in a different direction, I think now is the time to do it. Um but I also think it would be incredibly harsh. Yes, I agree. And on to the, the the last one on my list anyway, you are welcome to add more if you've got any uh, speculative arguments, but the last one on my my list, which I personally think is the most likely, and this is purely because of Coyle's comments directly after the game, which you referenced, David, where he was very much talking ahead to the to the new season, is that over the weekend, he's had a conversation with the club about the personnel changes that he wants to make or slash the club wants to make in reference to the players. And there is total misalignment between what the club wants to do and what Owen Coyle wants to do. And as a result, he feels that it's best to to move on. The form of that, I don't know whether that is Coyle wants to go and splash a cash and we are not willing to do that. Or has he potentially been told... We are signing XYZ players and he doesn't like them nor want them or he wants someone different. That is that to me that feels something that could be more realistic given that it's just hap- or it seems to have just happened over the last couple of days. Natural end of the season for the club to, I guess, update Coyle on their plans and for Coyle to say what he wants off the back of it, because he'll be doing all the the player um signings and so forth over the next couple of weeks. So this is this yeah. is what I think has probably happened. If I'm if I'm being completely honest with you, this is the most realistic out of these three uh, these three options for me. I think because it's perfectly normal that maybe even this morning I don't know that that Coyle would have had a sort of season review with whoever he reports to. I guess it would be Dempster and Bucher. Uh, I don't I don't know what the what the formal sort of structure is, but that would make sense. And and it could be that that 
you know, Marine's got some players lined up, some some names that he wants to bring into the club um, that he's been scouting for probably quite a few months, if not even longer now. Um, and Coyle said, well, actually, I would like to go down this route in terms of personnel and changes. And the club have said, well, no, that's not what's going to be happening. This is this is the this is our vision. This is how we see the this this is how we see recruitment over the summer going. These are the names that we want to bring in, and that's where they've kind of come to a bit of a head. And and Coyle says, well, I I do not want to do that and and therefore it's it's right for me to, to to go now and i think if that's the case that's out of those options that's the one i want it to be to be honest with you yeah because that that you can kind of accept a, a part like that yeah plus there's two i've got two things to add to that i mean that's what i was mentioning before when you look at leanne dempster's comments on the the statement that the club made and I don't, I, say, I don't know if it's reading way too much into it. She's only got two sentences there, mind you. Not too much you can read into, but it's where she says, help us, at the, find a head coach that helps us in our aims of being the best club to develop talented young players. So I don't know if I'm reading too much into that statement there particularly. And, you know, obviously the club are going with this, perhaps, you know, the signing policy, whatever, of a certain age limit. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're targeting young players. You're not going after experienced pros or anything like that. Maybe he's wanted to bring in a couple of those. I mean, we've seen that last summer, we believe. You know, it's, uh, certainly it pointed to players like Jason A. Smith and, and Stephen Ezzy, who are two of the older players in the squad. But they didn't perhaps work out as well as everybody would have hoped. So maybe the clubs maybe, yeah, disagree with them there. And also just in terms of having a disagreement and deciding to part ways with the manager. We've seen that happen not that long ago with Ray McKinnon after we won League 2 and went into League 1. It was well, wildly rumoured, but it seems pretty certain with the, some of the, the stories that you hear that that is basically what happened with Ray McKinnon. He wanted to go into League 1. He looked to go back to the club and say, OK, I need X amount because we're going to go and sign this guy, this guy, this guy to get us up through League 1, no bother, as quickly as we can. The club obviously decided, well, no, we're going to stick with what we've got and try and filter in younger players. So therefore, Ray McKinnon left. Is that a concern if that is the case? And obviously, we are completely speculating, but is it a concern that we've perhaps done that twice in three years? It's not. No, it's not a concern, to be honest with you, because if... if I, I have no issue with a manager coming in, doing what he was expected to and, and possibly even overachieving, and then deciding that maybe it's not the best environment for him anymore because the the way the club and especially because that's the way I want the club to go. That is what I hope the club has in mind for for the future and, and, and going forward and and, and developing a, a system whereby young players come through, gain experience, improve their skills and 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 contribute towards their first team before moving on and, and making the club money. That is absolutely fine. That's what I want. And it's possible that Boyle has decided that he maybe maybe that's not the best kind of management situation for him. And and with all due respect to him, as far as we're aware, the two signings that he heavily influenced or, or actively pursued and, and, and was, you know, made sure that we got in last season were Stephen Ezzy and Jason Naismith. It could be that maybe the couple said, listen, we weren't happy with those two signings. We are going to make these decisions and, and you can then manage the team. You can use your skill set, which is clearly, you know, man management, motivation. Um, I'm sure he's a brilliant presence to be around. And he he might just not be okay with that, if that's the case. Uh, so, 
it's not it's not a concern, but I would really, really like moving forward, whoever the next manager to come in is, to be... It's The frightening thing is, right, there are very few managers in Scotland who have actually been in their post for more than about 18 months, two years right now, but I'd like somebody that can come in, settle and stay for three, four years and, and really be part of this process. Yeah, because if there's been such a misalignment between Coyle's expect, and again, we're mad into like what if territory here, but uh, if there has been some misalignment between Coyle's expectations and the club expectations, then that's a failure of the club to have that alignment when they sign Coyle in the first place. Do you know what I mean? If it has anything to do with that. Um, but I, yeah, it's it, it's a strange one. And obviously, we'll guess we'll need to naturally drift into the who's next um, question. But for me, I think you're quite right to point out that the the end of that statement, David, where Dempster's talking about um, we need to begin the task of finding a new head coach, blah, 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 uh, aims of being the best club to develop talented young players. Because for me, that rules out like 80% of your standard merry-go-round of Scottish football managers and I can only hope that there is someone that's vaguely interesting and we don't see one of the Ian McCall's of the world whirling up um, at Lesser Hamden or I don't know Denny or whatever the hell we're going to be next season The one that keeps giving me the fear and I'm sure this soundbite won't come back to bite me but is that Neil Lennon's obviously spotted nah, it. Nah, no chance. Absolutely no chance. I, I, mean, I know that I hope the same too, but everybody keeps mentioning it. I don't know if they're just mentioning it as a wind-up, but I don't like it. <laughs> I, I don't think you need to worry about that because obviously, the, and again, this is this is speculative as well. Nobody knows for a fact, but there were rumours that um, when when Lennon left Hibs, when Dempster was there, it was a pretty a pretty nasty falling out that they had. And again, I don't, That's true. I, yeah. I don't know. We don't know specifically what happened, but I I, I don't think Lennon... I, just, I don't, obviously, I don't want Lennon, right? But also, I don't think Lennon is the right kind of guy to, to implement the philosophy that, that Leanne Dempster hinted at in that statement. So, nah, nah I, I'm not even concerned about that, to be completely honest. I don't, I don't think he's a, he's a risk. I agree with you, though. Somebody... I, it often gets described as the sort of merry-go-round of, of Scottish football managers, and when you look at the names that are being cited, it's a pretty it's a pretty depressing list. And it would be good if we could do something a wee bit different. I mean, it's all the usual kind of guys like uh, uh, Ian McCall, uh, Kevin Thompson, Kenny Miller, all these kind of names. Yeah, Jack Ross. I don't even. Want, I would have wanted Jack Ross beforehand, but I, I have absolutely no interest in him now. The only name that that has been kind of suggested that I, out of like this pretty awful bunch, I think I don't hate is possibly Robbie Nielsen because he has good experience of succeeding in the championship. But his track record of developing young players at Hearts is rubbish, so that's why I don't think it's actually going to be him either. Um, I think the club needs to think outside the box and, and I think they will find somebody a bit different. Yeah, I agree with you, Renzo. I mean, there is that list. I mean, I was actually looking earlier on to see if any bookmakers were doing odds or anything yet. There isn't uh, a short list quite yet. Maybe there will be in the coming days, but there is, of course, that, that thread on Pie and Bovro where I think that I think it's a Dundee post and I think he does it quite a lot whenever there's a, a managerial vacancy and it's the list is 
half joking and half serious, but uh, there's some frightening names on it. But I agree with you. The only one that would maybe slightly interest me of that is Robbie Nielsen. I don't think he technically falls into the jobs for the boys, old school Scottish football manager, purely because he's a relatively new manager. But um, yes, yeah, some of them are some of them are frightening. And if we're if if we're really considering names like Ian McCall or no, absolutely not. Oh, I tell you, but I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. But what I'm saying is, if the consideration is people like Ian McCall or John Hughes, who seems to <laughs> no. put himself forward for every single <laughs> job going on BBC Sports, he's been rubbish enough. I know, but that's like he, he basically does his job interviews in public on the radio. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> guys like that. that, you know, guys like that. Um, Jack Ross, which we were meant like with, as you say, Enzo last year, and that never worked out. Apparently, he rejected us anyway. See if it's guys like that. No, well, let's think outside the yeah, think outside the box. Go in a go in a different direction and and see what happens there. Because yeah, obviously the club do have the the way that we want to work and the way we want to move forward quite clearly in mind. It's and it has to be somebody perhaps from that similar kind of background. So. By the way, uh, yeah. this 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 is a ridiculously pivotal two three weeks for the leadership of this club right now. For me, I realise that the last two three years have been pivotal, and there's perhaps been uh, well, I mean, there's definitely been lots of shortcomings that w- that we've discussed at, at great length in various areas of the club. But right now, if you think back to right the decision by the club primarily to release or to let Simon Murray go to Ross County when they did. Um, from that point on, you would never have thought that we'd be in a position right now where A, we had the end of season collapse that we did. That was Obviously it's football, right? So there is that possibility, but the manner of it was was pretty stark. B, they would be losing own coil um, in such sort of cloudy circumstances, if you want to call it that see that we are potentially going to have to replace the majority of our team. I don't I don't think any of us back in January would be thinking that it would be thinking like Kilday, Fox, Robson, these guys might be slightly at risk. Um and now having to do all of that in a very short time period whilst also juggling the the hot potato of B teams if that article's to be believed. And we've still got the the ever present uh, question mark over what the hell's happening with Lesser Hamden. Um, are we going to be there next season? Season tickets getting announced, all that kind of stuff. We need to hear things very very quickly on on most of these topics. So I just pray that there is a a well written um, plan set out. Uh, but whether that's more than in hope than reality, I'm I'm not sure. It's it's hope, but also we. It's been a while since we've had a wee grumble about communication at the club. To be fair, um, so let let's just hope that they have sort of learned some lessons. And yeah, I, I'd like to think that we'll have a really clear plan, of a manager in ideally within the next week or two, because it's a short off season. I mean, it's the the league cup games start in what eight weeks or something like that. So it's really not all that much time to prepare. Um, especially considering how many guys are going to be on their way out because their, their contracts are up or like you know people are here on loan. Um, so there's a lot of work to be done over the summer and uh, it would be really good, as you say, just 
to know where we stand in all of these areas as soon as possible. Is it worth having a wee look at who's out of contract the now? Because oh. potentially when we come back in a couple of weeks, we may well have had an announcement of who's left and you never know, we may even have some announcements of who's coming in at that point. Um, we'll just run through. I mean, I'm running this off of the, the transfer marked website, so it might not be 100% accurate, but it's usually pretty reliable. Um, so looking at that, you've obviously got the five loanies that'll be going back. You've got Josh McPake, Connor Shields, Ewan Henderson, Mal Boateng and Marcel Oakley. Then you've also got, uh, again, according to this website, Lecal Day, Louis Longridge, Lewis Moore. It does say Jack Thompson, but I'm fairly certain he's under contract. So there we go. That's maybe an indication of how accurate this is. Um, Jake Davidson, I'm sure, is actually out of contract. Charlie Fox, Calm Bigger. So there's a, there's a good number of players there that are you know, maybe certainly most of the loadies. I mean, you look at, well, Malbo, I think, has barely missed a kick this season. You're going to have to replace him, and he's been a massive player for us. So that's a, that's a really, really big decision to be made on, on who comes in to replace him. Connor Shields has been our only striker, really. I mean, you've also had Scott Williamson get a few games, but well, we've had two strikers since um, since January 31st. Connor Shields obviously started really well, but never really got going as much as you maybe would have hoped. And Scott Williamson had sort of a couple of weeks in the squad and a couple of weeks out as Owen Coyle kind of tinkered and, and tried to make things work during that really poor slump. And, and again, it just didn't really work for, for Williamson for, for a number of reasons. We seemed to change the way we played a wee bit there as well. But as I say, it didn't really work for, for him. So we're going to need another striker. We need a starting midfielder. And well, you've got Lee Day and Charlie Fox out of contract who, you know, were, for the most part of the season, are starting centre-halves, so we're going to lose them. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of work. That's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what I mean. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people leaving the club. I'm sure a, a few of those names that you mentioned there will be offered uh, new contracts and, and maybe even, you never know, a lone coming back here or there. It can happen, just depending on, on how they performed and, and what their parent club expects of them going forward but there's there is going to be a lot of turnover and lots of fresh faces in so you really want to get all the kind of managerial stuff and all, all the kind of backroom stuff sorted out as quickly as possible so that these these players have a coaching team in place from coming in that can help help them get settled in so that they know even things like what stadium they're going to be playing out of next season, it's just that there's, it's it's going to be a very very busy summer. And uh, the the thing is, like we were we were talking about how it was nice to have a wee break from the football, but there really is there really is never a dull moment with this club right now. And and as I was saying earlier on, I'd quite like a dull moment. I'd like <laughs> I'd like <laughs> just a, a couple of normal days in the life of a normal football club. Apparently, apparently we don't get them. At least we don't need to talk about actually watching the team for a wee while, though. So we get to get to mix it up for the for the um, the remainder of the of the off season, if you want to call it that. But yeah, it's it's a, it's going to be an absolutely massive, well, potentially massive turnover of players, and I don't know, potentially some of the ones that you might want to keep might be at more risk of leaving if Coyle's not there and they don't know who a manager is going to be. If they get offers elsewhere whilst they're out of contract and we haven't signed a new manager, then they might not know if the new manager is going to want them in their plans, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'd imagine the club would be 
well, maybe they wouldn't with with Bucher being in in place now. But I'd imagine the club would be relatively loath to go and hand out a lot of contracts to maybe some of the older guys without them having uh or without the new manager having some sort of say. So yeah, it's 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 a huge two or three weeks. Um, and I just I just pray that the club actually do their best to keep us all up to date uh, with with everything really because everyone's going to be on the edge of their seats waiting to hear what is happening yeah let's just yeah, hope they get it right yeah absolutely um that was a bit of a wild ride that um today's been one hell of a day as it goes back to uh january 31st for me and i actually recall looking back uh, i think it must have been last week i looked at it you know, we obviously with the podcast, you get your re-analytics that we can look at. And I think one of our, our second most popular episode after our very, very first one was the the podcast that we recorded about the Inverness games, Simon Murray leaving on deadline day and all that kind of drama that went along there. So I have a feeling we might have a lot of people listening in this week as well. For As I said earlier on, for the Partick Thistle fans that maybe... I mean, if you got this far, thank you very we much. Are not but, have got this uh, far. <laughs> you never know. You never know. But um, as again, a sort of another apology to them that we didn't give you the the tears. Don't that you apologise to them. We, we gave them plenty you. last week. <laughs> we we could have had plenty more, but unfortunately, we had enough tears to shed about our own team and and what's been going on. So, yeah, we are planning on doing a a big, much happier, a sort of end of season, a full season review. Talk about all the good things. I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on some of the bad things, but I'll be a much more positive, a much happier, upbeat, optimistic, looked ahead to the future. Maybe we'll have some news by then, as we say, when we know who the new manager will be. We might even know some new signings. Hopefully that will um, that will get us back on track and, and then perhaps we can enjoy a couple of weeks off from this because what a year it's been for us to start doing this, eh? Oh, I mean, we certainly had plenty to talk about, but uh, yeah, I would. If we're if we're coming back in a couple of weeks, I hope it's uh, laden with uh, good good news. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I'm sure. Listen, knowing this club, uh, if if we are if we are putting this off for a couple of weeks, there's going to be plenty to talk about when we do come back to record them. Yeah. Something ridiculous will happen tomorrow, and we'll be back here on Thursday. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, maybe we'll maybe need to do that if something really big comes out. Maybe if a new manager announcement comes out, we'll we'll jump back on. But our plan is, I think we're looking maybe the beginning of June. We're going to get together, do another one of our wee episodes in person that we've done, which uh, will hopefully go down a treat. We'll do our own. We play to the year awards, and we'll maybe try and get a few players on, see if we can get a few words with them as well, and. And find out what they're thinking, uh, uh, their thoughts are, and uh, what they're thinking for the future. But until then, Callum and Enzo, it has been a pleasure as always. I might have to say something else now to oh, sign dear. off there, won't I? Oh, God, for the last <laughs> time, it has been a pleasure as always. To everybody listening, again, thank you very much for sticking with us this season. Um, we'll be back in a few weeks' time. We'll, of course, keep active on Twitter at Spiders Talk Pod anytime we see anything. Any articles elsewhere, we'll get them shared in there. So make sure you're following us there. Even turn your wee notifications on. You'll always see what we've got to say. And of course, you'll find it on Pie and Bovril and all the threads relating to Queen's Park. So thank you once again very much for listening. We'll see you all again in a few weeks' time. Thank you. See us for listening.